I have nothing to feel anymore. All of my possible weaknesses have been exploited in the past to kill me, but I continue to return. I think not, foul king of the undead. Choke on this barrel full of garlic. You pathetic little man. I should thank you for this indispensable aid to my digestion. Even the greatest lover of garlic in the world does not want to eat his entire body name. So, you've gotten over that weakness, did you? Then have a dose of holy water courtesy of a local church that doesn't have a priest lately after he got sued. It was a steal! Now for this, I really must thank you. Being dead for the decades accumulates quite the unpleasant pile of filth upon me. This is not a very good bath, but I will make do until something better comes along. Your powers grow with every return, but can you stand the light of the sun even filtered through L.A. smog because of the not-so-cold decide to bring you back in Anaheim? You really are the most unpleasant personality, bringing the sun into my eyes when they have been in the dark for decades. But enough talk. How about you? I didn't want to do this, but it's time to whip it good! Inconceivable that this weep of yours would cause me to trip and crash into this inconveniently placed desk. I must transform. Well, time to call in Rambo. I'm not being paid enough to fight something bigger than the building. And walking away from Dracula lets me say, live from the internet, it's RPG Backtrack! Today, one of our own boldly puts life and limb on the line to give us complete coverage into Dracula's domain. We also touch on Pokemon Mystery Dungeon, The World Ends With You, and Persona 3 FBS. So put away your steak, find a sparkling vampire to sit down with, and enjoy the show, because you're listening to RPG Backtrack! And welcome to RPG Backtrack, where we can't pronounce any proper nouns, we curse spoilers, and the host cannot remember the names of the guests. I'm your host, Phil Willis... And I am your special correspondent in the field, Mike Miggy. Hi, Mike is uh, Mike is sounding a little bit more distant than usual because uh, his computer is in the hospital at the moment. So we are dialing in through uh, Skype to his uh, telephone. How you doing, Mister Miggy? Well, I'm about to enter an extended tour of Dracula's castle, and as you can guess, people, the zombies, the ghosts, the mermen—they're everywhere, and it's just not going to get any better. I don't know how much longer we can keep killing these things, but by gum, we're going to try. <laughs> how many how many bars of coverage do you get in Dracula's castle? I have to tell you, I'm amazed that this phone has been working as well as it has. We should give credit to where it's due. Verizon, you're doing a hell of a job. What you don't know is Verizon actually paid uh, Drac is paying Dracula a subsidy to put an antenna right on the top of his castle. It's a, it's great altitude. Ugh, I hate product placement. <laughs> And right. is is that our good friend, Mr. Uh, Manny Mariano, or Mariano, Manny Marino? Mar- Hi, Daniel Marino, hey, guest Manny. of the show. There you go. Welcome. Welcome. Is this your first, this isn't your first time, is it? Your first uh, time? Well, it's my it sort of my first time. It right? is? Oh, okay. Well, we'll come back to you in a minute. Let's well, First, let's welcome back Mr. Tom Goldman. How's it going, Mr. Tom? Hey, pretty good. 
Yeah, having a good day today? Yeah, I was just thinking, like, uh, I think names are your garlic or yeah. your steak. <laughs> I'm just... I'm- I'm an account by trade. Have trouble. This would be a lot easier if I just assign you guys numbers because I'm an accountant. Then I would have you on a spreadsheet and, and everything would be kosher. Sign us numbers. Yeah. So you're num- you're number three because you're number three on the list on Skype. I'm and not, we're not the Borg. Yeah, you're you're three of three, and Mike is two of three, and Manny is one of three because that's just the I guess it's an alphabetical order. Oh, well, if that works for you. Which is quite logical. So, number number one of three, this is your first time on the newly updated, revamped, garlic-free RPG backtrack. So, I'm sorry, is he talking to me? I, I, these numbers confuse me. Yeah, you're number one of three. Mike is two of three, and Tom is three of three. It's alphabetical order. If this catches so you are, okay, So you are like the, the board king, then? You yeah. do not have a number. <laughs> yeah. Or, uh, you know, I can always pull out the um, the voice I was using last week and become the board queen. So, Manny, what is your handle on RP Gamer, and what do you do? I will answer that question when you ask it seriously. <laughs> <laughs> you big tease, you. <laughs> What's your handle on RP Gamer, and what do you do? Hi, my handle on RP Gamer is Rising Sun Sue. That's a T-Z-U at the end. And I am the current columnist for RP Gamer. I am also a foreign correspondent, so to speak, in Los Angeles, and I cover lots of events in the area. Sweet. So yeah, and most recently I did the that Arc Rise Fantasia preview. Yeah, and people need to go and check that out because we don't get a whole lot of previews. So when we get one, we need everybody to go and look at it. Maybe we'll actually do more of them. What, what, what brought you to RP Gamer? Well, brought me to RP Gamer. Yeah. Desire to write about games and hang out with fun people like you guys. <laughs> Give us... Ooh, why don't you tell us a little about your gaming history, Mr. Emmanuel? Uh, well, really, what do you want to know? Uh, well, uh, what was your first RPG, and what did you like about it? Um, like so many other uh, young kids, I think maybe Pokemon on the Game Boy was my first game, but really... The first, my first RPG, but the really the first RPG that sort of um, I came to as an RPG fan was probably Front Mission. Front Mission is most ponesome. I love Front Mission. That'd be Front Mission Three, right? Yeah, Front Mission Three. Yeah. Ponesome. Go on. Tell me more. Oh man, Front Mission Three, man, that's a PlayStation One classic. I think out of all of my, I've got, you know, I didn't keep a whole lot. I'm a game collector, and I hold on to games <laughs> that I really enjoy and like. Um, uh, all the way back to Atari, but uh, PlayStation, PlayStation. I've actually got fewer games on the PlayStation than any other system, aside from possibly the uh, the old Game Boy. The uh, the you know because the graphics really didn't hold up well or anything else. But Front Mission was just so deep in so many different ways, and and even though the PlayStation One graphics and they're kind of rough, the action when the robots are fighting and watching them blow off each other's arms and let you know that that just never gets old. Hmm. Totally agree. I loved all the political intrigue and it's. Do you remember there's this one point in the game where you make such a you make a silly decision whether you go with your friend to deliver a package. Or you stay behind in your base and just hang out. I mean, it seems like such a silly little decision, but based on what you decide there, the game branches off in two radically different paths. It's like two different games in the same package. Yeah, and you know, I think, what was that game that, uh, there was a game coming out by Atlas, and they're advertising how it's like two Coley complete uh, games in one. It's an RPG. Force. 
Yeah, Hexus Force, and it's like a really big deal. I'm thinking to myself, well, games like Front Mission did that a long time ago. I don't even remember them using that as a big selling point. I mean, I, I'm sure it was a bullet point on the back of the... It really, it was like one tiny bullet. I think the fake internet was a bigger bullet point on the back of the box. Yeah, yeah, the fake internet system. And, and actually, yeah, before Dot Hack, you really had this really nice fake internet, you know, system inside of Front Mission. Yeah, I remember trolling the boards, the, the message boards, looking for uh, free downloads from my desktop wallpaper, <laughs> or, or upgrades to my system, downloading like fake hacking tools. I just Front Mission Three on the PlayStation One was such a was such a deep game. It's just so unusual to find. I mean, between the, you, of course, you can customize the mechs. Um, you you got you got pilots who have different skills which need to be uh, developed, and you got to pay close attention because those skills can and do make the difference uh, in battle between winning and losing, or at least getting a good ranking. Um, uh, then of course you have the message boards and 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 it had a good storyline to to boot with it. Not that I was really paying much attention because all I wanted to do was to blow off more robot parts. But uh, yeah, it was just it was just absolutely a deep game. And one of the few, even though I, I can't remember how long it took, it I felt like sixty hours or so to get through one half. Um, I mean, I played that game so many times. You know, because yeah. when you're when you're younger, you don't get as many games as you would like. Yeah, and well, that's not. Yeah, and that's one game that you could, you want to go back and play again. Especially since all the skills would carry over, so I'd just be going back and forth, back and forth between the two, the two storylines. Like, oh, I was like a big uh, history buff and a military buff at the time, so you know it played into all the. It played into exactly my my need to be a, a pocket or not pocket uh, couch general. So before I yeah before we get sidetracked any further because it's such a great game I could I could talk about it and make a whole other podcast out of it. Um, we should one day. We should we totally do that. Yeah, Mike, put from Mission Three on the list. Uh, no worries, it will happen. Just look, I have to get I have to play the game first, you know. Yeah. I hear good. some of the stuff it wouldn't be right for me to just go. Um, yeah, sounds great. Uh, everybody talks about it because you know. I hear nothing but good things. Wait, wait, wait. Are you telling me you're going to be a video game journalist who's actually going to play the games first before he judges them? I try, and I try not to talk about games that I haven't played much or at all. I realize that this puts me in a very different subsection of game journalism. I was about to say. Yeah, I was about to say you're in a small party. What you guys might not know about me is that I've never played a video game. Amazing. Oh, right, because you're jacked into the Matrix all the time, oh. so you don't really play them so much as you are a part of them, right? No. Oh, oh you're just a big fibber then. Yeah, I don't know. He watches the trailers on game trailers, and he just says, yeah, that was a pretty good game. Yeah. <laughs> no, I just, read the, I just read the Game Facts forums. <laughs> <laughs> the premier source for objective game reviews. <laughs> Uh, uh, Manny, what's your what's your favorite type of RPG? Would it be you know strategic RPGs, JRPGs, Western RPGs? Um, I play a mix of everything. I mean, I, I'll get ex- as excited for Mass Effect as I will for a you know a, a DS strategy RPG. Is there a particular you know aspect that appeals to you more than others? The story, or um, the battle system, or the interaction? Recently, I've been a real sucker for a good character creation system in a game, like say all of Fallout Three or Oblivion. Yeah, I miss I miss I miss having games where I like I like putting my I mean I definitely like building my own character, but I really miss having more games where I actually put together my whole party from scratch. But I'm more into the I'm definitely more into the battle 
especially if the RPG has uh, strategic battles involved, like Final Fantasy Tactics or whatnot. Hey, I love the whole. I love everything. Just you said, like a little little thing that adds a little, an extra touch and makes you really feel like part of the experience is mm-hmm. making your own guys. Oh or yeah. At the very least, have, at least having lots of control over how they develop over time. Like in From Mission, your yeah. hands are way. Where where you get to color them however you want. Can't you color them? I'm pretty sure you can yeah, color yeah. them. Yeah. Um, so what's your favorite RPG of all time? Um, I can give you a top five list. No, no, you gotta pick one. I can give you a top five list. Yeah. In no particular you know, order. I'm, you know what? I'm, I'm not, I'm not talking anymore. You're, you're just terrible. We're, we're moving on. He's kind of like me here, so let him, let him go. Manny, go for it. Okay, go. Mike says go for it. Uh, let me see. Uh, Shin Megami Tensei Nocturne, Skies of Arcadia, Front Mission 3, uh, Fallout 3. How many is that? Four. And, That's four. Uh, let me see. And probably maybe the Mass Effect series. Okay, fine. Your answer is lock and loaded. And <laughs> we'll move on to our next section. It's time for Blast from the Recent Past. from the recent past we are talking about a trio of games and as always blast from the recent past games are generally games that came out this time two years ago this time of the year two two years ago and the uh the the, the trio of games we have are, are quite diverse um the first one some uh, we will definitely give you know if you save the best for for last i guess you should make the worst the first uh pokemon mystery dungeon um what what can, uh, what was it? Sha- uh, Pokemon Mystery Dungeon. Uh, what was that? Mike? I don't know. It was one of those. Floor of the Sky is the one that Glenn just reviewed. Yeah. It was time, time, and that's there's it. Time, there's darkness, there's red, blue. Yeah, darkness and time, time. and darkness. Yeah, and it, you know, and so, and and it was aptly named because if you spent any time playing the game, it was a very uh, that time was a moment of darkness. So it was just, it really wasn't a, a good. It's it, for those of you who've never heard of it or never played it. Uh, Pokemon mystery dungeon games are roguelike games. Uh, basically, it's a lot of dungeon crawling. Uh, you're, you, you are, I think, I believe you are a Pokemon, and you might have, a, I believe you have a Pokemon partner. Every time you move in the dungeon one space, the enemies move one space. If you don't touch your control, uh, you don't move at all, the enemies won't move at all. So everything happens simultaneously as you move, so you can take as much or as little time as you need to think out your next action. Unfortunately, you won't need a whole lot of time to think out your next actions because uh, the difficulty level is incredibly easy. The game is too long in the tooth for its own good um, uh, and just did poorly across reviews. Uh, did any of y'all play it? No. No, but I'm, I'm wondering one thing. Usually what? the sequel improves on the original, right? And we know what its sequel got. But so this what is that Pokemon. Make the original in this case? This is Pokemon po- never improves anything. Yeah, it just pretty much stays the same even decades later. <laughs> it just gives you more Pokemans to show other people. But it doesn't improve. <laughs> then we're on a solid course of 
bad crap. to mediocre, I guess. Yep. <sighs> and notably, notably, it, it should be awesome when you put Pokemon into a roguelike, but it's not. Mm-mm. Because it's a Pokemon game, and all Pokemon games are bad. <laughs> all Pokemon <laughs> games are bad? <laughs> Even though I've never I've played, like, one. Oh, but, but Manny says they're awesome, and i got to catch them all. I just want to start some controversy. Oh, okay. That's cool. Controversy started. Uh, let's move on to the next game, then. Um, <laughs> what, was, what was the next game, Mike? That would be The World Ends With You. Ah, does it end with... It ends with me? Cool. All right. So, so when I die, the whole world... You die, the world is over. The world is over. Don't Abs- you have immense power? Do not use that power for ill. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this was on the, this was uh, like Pokemon. It was on the Nintendo DS, uh, released about two years ago. This is a, an RPG by Square Enix, and and it's, it was it was it was for me it was a a breath of fresh air because uh, I know a lot of critics out there for uh, against Square Enix will often point out that they really like to ride their flagship series. Um, Aka Final Fantasy <laughs> and milk that for a lot of money, um, but uh, you know this was this was a bold attempt on their their part to do something radical and different. This game is every every RPG cliche just about. They they pretty much did something totally and incredibly different from the way that you converse with the other characters in the city to the battle system to the the way the story is set up. Um, just everything is is pretty pretty different here. Manny, didn't you didn't you play a little bit of this? Oh no no no! I was turned off by the art style and the battle system, and the setting, and pretty much everything about it. Well, Tom, haven't haven't you play haven't you played uh, The World Ends with You? Oh uh, yeah, I played the first probably t- I don't know five ten hours. And, and, and uh, you want me to say something about it here? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Um, well, here's what I liked about the game. I liked the art style, which Manny hated, I think he said, right? You, you hated it? Yeah. Uh, just, just didn't appeal to me. It was a little too, I don't know, Japan preteen. Like... Okay. It's sort of like edgy-ish, graffiti-ish, but anime at the same time. I mean, I thought it was, it was alright, but the best part about it is definitely the music and the sound. Which is like almost like a, like a Persona like three type Persona three has a really good soundtrack Persona you, four. You, you know, it's funny that you say that because a lot of what that game felt like to me was just like Square Enix's version of Persona of what Persona did, and Persona did it better. I felt you know the young feel, the edgy street vibe, the hip hop mixed with pop, you know, the anime flavor, the young kids. I just, I just sort of... yeah, it, pr- it probably did, but uh, I guess World Ends with You went a little more toony, toony with it. Not yeah. quite as serious as Persona. Fair enough. Probably because Square Enix, I don't know, maybe they weren't going for that mature feel. Who knows? But I thought the music was good, and yeah, uh, the only thing that bothered me was having to switch between the two screens. There was a bit of a yeah. There that was that was definitely they they changed so many things, and the battle system was so different uh, that it was one of those things where. Um, even though they took their time explaining to you how the mechanics work, it's kind of like learning how to tr- drive a car. There's a learning curve involved. And as a friend of mine uh, points out, 
he doesn't care how good the the game is unless he thinks it's good. He's not going to go out and buy it and play it. Uh, so if this was one of those games where if you just watched somebody play it or you picked it up for an hour or two uh, or anything like that, then uh, you know definitely kind of there was just so many things that are different. Whether it's the story or the battle system or the character growth system, all these things were so different that it would confuse anybody who just came to it and didn't really stick it out um, and, and whatnot. And, and yeah, and if <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, um, if you know, as what, like I said, my friend likes to talk about that. But if he has to, if he has to play the game for five or ten hours to get to the two, to get to the good part or get to where he's used to it, and it's actually a good game or whatever the the logic is, then that's he's got better things to do with his time, and he's already moved on to a game that's good right from the beginning. So not to say this one isn't good for right from the beginning, but the fact that it's just so new in every way, shape, or form makes the learning curve so so hard. Uh, you know that once you yeah, the battle system is a good example. The battle system, you're controlling the character down at the bottom with your stylus. So, and I don't know how you do this if you're left-handed, but you're you, with my right hand, I'm controlling the character at the bottom, and by doing slashes. Um, and circles and other, depending on what uh, abilities I have equipped, I'm performing different attacks. Now, after he's done like five or six hits in a row, uh, this green ball of energy will come out of him and go up to the top screen where the second character is fighting. Now, of course, the top screen is not a touch screen, so in order to activate that character's attacks, um, you've got to use the control pad on the left-hand side uh, to put in different inputs or whatnot. After you've done a combo with him or her, it the hockey puck goes back down to the bottom. And this is all very fast. There's not a whole lot of room left for thinking or whatnot. Uh, thankfully, at least, I, and I didn't get completely through the game, but for the time I was playing through it, uh, the battle system was pretty forgiving. If it got too tough, then I could always go into the options. In the options, um, you can adjust up and down your level. Uh, so if your character's level 20, you can force him down to level 2. The benefit of doing that is that you tend to get uh, better bonuses and whatnot uh, after the combat. So normally I was always playing half my level or lower. But So if I got into some tough battles or a rough area or whatnot, I would just kind of bring it back up. Uh, plus the character growth system was was very, very different. Uh, you had these pins, kind of like the, the pins you see that people wear at TGI Fridays uh, that you would find all over the place. Those were how you activated or you equipped those on your characters to determine what attacks they would have. They would gain experience in battle. Um, plus, if you didn't play the game for a few days, they would also gain experience for letting your DS just sit there and rest. The uh, furthermore, to, for your character's abilities to go up, like hit points and things like that, uh, I think it was mostly hit points. I, I could be wrong. It's been two years since I played it, <laughs> but you would eat food, and so there would be a little graph representing how full your stomach was. You'd need to eat food that your character liked to get the biggest benefit. But every time you eat a hamburger or something like that, you might gain a few uh, maximum hit points. It would raise your maximum hit points. Of course, then your stomach could be full. So by letting the game rest for a while, uh, you would come back and your stomach would be empty. So it, it kind of rewarded people who played the game in sh short spurts rather than trying to get through it in a couple of sittings. So again, that that's another one of those things. So the fact that it's so different and the and some of these mechanics uh, that I just mentioned could either be a huge plus or a huge huge negative. If you're just looking for something totally uh, different and new, this is something different and new, and it's and it's done very well. However. 
some of the things like the, the screen going back and forth. I mean, most of us people who are into RPGs aren't big fans of the whole uh, of big fans of games that require a whole lot of reflex <laughs> and uh, and action. And that's exactly what this is to the t- to the hilt. Um, or if you don't like the fact that you've got, you can only play the game in short spurts. I know a lot of RP gamers love to just sit for eight hours and, and complete entire chapters of a game and, and get through. I have friends who'll get through a whole RPG in a week. This is not, you know, this will almost in a way punish you if you try to get through it too fast. So it's definitely, it's definitely, you know, like, uh, uh, and like Manny was saying, the artwork, uh, you know, some people liked it, some people different. They took a lot of chances. I applaud them for that. Uh, but, uh, and a lot of, but as far as the execution goes, Square Enix always does a good job. So, uh, the game got good, uh, reviews for the most part across the board. Any other thoughts on that one? I think people should buy it. Yeah. Oh, that's right. It's on Amazon for like $15 brand new. Yeah. It's worth it. Yeah, for 15 bucks, add it to your collection. Uh, uh, even if you only play it for a few chapters or something, you, you might actually. But if you do get it and you do get some time to, to you know, try to stick through it, is my advice. Because the hot, especially the battle system. Oh my gosh, it really does take some getting used to. It's 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 completely different from any DS game I've played. I ended up with a Canadian version, and it comes with a gigantic French manual to accompany the English one. I guess the manual is so big in this game, and it is a big manual, but they need to print a separate French manual instead of just putting it inside uh, English. Oh, right. Yeah, because in most, I, I don't know if it's all of Canada, but yeah, most parts of Canada, they have to have both languages. And yeah, they usually just do it as a, you're right, usually they do it as a second half to the book, maybe upside down or backwards or something. <laughs> That just leaves uh, our last game, um, which is uh, which is probably longer than both these games put together. The last two games put together, Persona Three Fes. Um, so I can't believe that it's already been two years since Fes came out, which means it's probably been three or four years since the original Persona Three came out. And don't we have another one coming up soon? <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, man, you're trying to trick me. This game isn't old; it's new. Oh my gosh, that's all right, because I got Persona 3 uh, PSP coming up uh, in a few weeks. Did you put yours on pre-order? Well, oh, that's right, if you pre-order, you get a Junpei hat. You got a Junpei hat, that's right, it's all about the hat. No, I think StarCraft is going to break me. Oh, they come out around the same time. Are you getting the Star- StarCraft uh, Collector's See? Edition? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, well. There goes my Junpei hat. There goes your Junpei hat, just went to the Collector's Edition. of. Anywho, um... <laughs> So, um, I, I'm, I'm sure you guys have played Persona 3, at least one or two of you have, so why don't I let you talk? Let's talk about the core Persona 3 experience for a few minutes uh, first for the, uh, for the poor unfortunate soul out there that might not have uh, given it a shot yet. I mean, what is he waiting for? He's had like four, three or four chances at this point. <laughs> it keeps coming back. I mean, if you don't play the PSP version, just forget it. You're never going to play it. Oh my goodness. Well, uh, so, you, you play this, right, Tom? Yep, I played Persona 3. Did, did, uh, so can you, can you, uh, tell us what the core game experience, uh, is like and why it's worthy of three or four, eight different releases? Okay. Well, you play as an emo dude that likes to shoot himself in the head with a gun. And. <laughs> <laughs> you have a Persona. Like, you shoot yourself in the head with a special gun, and it makes your persona come out or something. Hey, hey and, to be uh, fair, he's not emo. He just has emo hair. Yeah. Emo dude he's a little emo. He's a little emo, though. 
He has no personality. How can he be emo? You define his personality. You make the, his dialogue choices for him. Uh, so, okay. Tom, are you depressed? That's fair. Maybe, that's, yeah, maybe that's, I am. That's maybe the real that's question it. here. Maybe I'm emo. Wow. <laughs> I, think I, have to, I think I have to go for a bit. Oh, boy. Anyway, okay, so you shoot yourself in the head with a thing, and it makes your persona come out. You fight with your persona. Each persona has different abilities, elements, blah, blah. You can pretty much uh, choose their their abilities. You can combine personas to make stronger ones, or sometimes they might end up weaker. Oh, come on, knows. Tom. You're, you're hitting on all the basics. you gotta hit. You got to get to the, the real draw of this one. The fact that you're a high school student and you go to high school every single day on a fixed schedule and you get to date girls and hang out with your friends and it's basically half dating sim, half a dungeon crawler. Yeah, I was getting to that. Oh, come on, that's that the draw. I mean, that's this is the reason why whenever you go to an anime convention or a comic convention, anywhere where anyone can dress up as a video game character, you see half the audience dressed up as, I mean, the attendees dressed up as Persona characters. It's because they really resonated with those Because... Uh, you spend so much time. I can think of someone who. I can think I'm of sorry. someone on our site who dressed up like a Persona Three character. All the time, Mitsu. Yeah, Phil, right? That's oh, right. Phil. Yes. <laughs> who told you? Oh, you're I've making s- me blush. Yeah, I've seen your webcam show. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 because you spend so much time courting these people to be your friends, to be your girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever. I mean, that you really get attached to these characters. Yeah, and well, the choices you make in that life and can it improve your persona power. Yeah, well, let, well, let, okay, okay. Let, let, let's, let's, you know, Tom, Tom was briefly kind of going over the battle system, and let me just, let me just kind of before we, you know, before, the interaction part of it, which is the dating sim part of it, I definitely want to give that a little time, but I just want to, I want to kind of come behind Tom and just say, I'm, I'm the kind of. RP gamer, uh, like I said before, I'm really into battle systems of the game, um, and, and Persona has probably the most interesting interaction part of the game that I've ever played. It has a really great storyline and whatnot to boot, but you know, to me, if the battle system isn't 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 fun, then none of that other stuff really matters to me. Um, you spend 70% of your time or more in an RPG in, in the battle system. And I will say, you know, I usually cringe at JRPGs because their battle systems are usually unbalanced or, uh, and, 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 and a lot of times are just too easy and too boring and I'm just clicking through the same choices, especially if it's not a boss and it's just a regular monster. Um, Persona 3? No. Every battle you will want to pay attention to. Uh, against the small enemies, unless you're just really over, you know, over leveled for the area, uh, because this game does require you to to pay attention. Now, unfortunately, I, I mean, I felt this was a little bit of a drawback, but the computer controls everybody but the main character, right? Uh, that, that's changed yeah. in most recent updates, but is is that now? Is that changed in FES? I might be. Might I don't be. think so. I, well, I, they did improve. They did add some improvements from Persona Four into Persona Three. Oh. I, I know for a fact you can control them in the PSP version that's coming out. You can control your whole party in battle. I I swear I read that in a preview, but on the on the FES version I don't think so. I'm sure somebody will fact check us and correct us on the forums. Um, but I, I, aside from that little, and that's something that bothered me back way back since Dragon Quest IV when someone got the bright idea for party members to be AI controlled. But you know, but with that being said, I really found that I had to pay attention to the battle systems. I had to pay attention to how uh, you know what kind of personas I had with me. Um, Shin Megami Tensei games have always been pretty you know on the tough side, and and, and they've always been games where the bosses can kill you uh, very quickly if you happen to bring the wrong. 
uh, elemental weaknesses with you uh, via your personas or whatever, demons or whatnot. So I, I, I sort of play that game with an FAQ in hand, but only, only to see what bosses are coming up so I'm properly prepared for them. You know, it's funny that you think that that you say about the battle system maybe the core of this game. I actually think that the interactions are the core. Of this not game. that, not that I think it's the core of the game, but I just uh-huh. want to emphasize that the battle system is very, very solid and holds up its end of the deal. I, I agree with you. It's oh, yeah. not, it's not the super. I mean, other Shimegami Tensei games have very similar battle systems. And oh yeah, they like have, Nocturne, for example, is all about the battle system. Right. I mean, that's like 90% of the game is the battle system. And those games, you know, those are Shimigami games, are generally regarded as good games, but none of them have had half the popularity or have been regarded nearly as well as Persona 3. So obviously it's the interaction, the story, and the characters like you said, that really make this game. So let's let's go oh. let's go focus on that now. So we've got your, your character, you spend time in high school. Why don't you tell us more about that, Manny? Since, since well, it's probably, I think, it's because it sort of resonates with so many players. Just Half the time, they're just average teenagers, and you're spending most of your time hanging out with your friends, going to what I would I would imagine a lot of players who like this game are Japanophile. So it really gives you a feel for what it's like to be a Japanese high school student. And you know, I guess that sort of relates to any, a lot of that relates to any high school student or anyone who just went through high school recently. And you know, you're hanging out with your friends, going to class. You, you literally have to go to class every day. You have a schedule. There's school events. Hanging out with your friends, doing homework, that kind of stuff. I mean, you actually have to make time every day to study, or to, in order to get better at school. I mean, all those little things really make you feel like you're make you feel anchored in the I, social part of this world. I, I mean, I, I and and if you push yourself too hard, you'll get tired, which will have a very negative impact when you're in the dungeon because you go in the dungeon and, and pretty much at midnight. Uh, yeah. and, and but but if you're falling behind on that sleep, you can always catch a few extra winks by sleeping through class. <laughs> You know, and you know, of course, these systems have gotten better over time, and they've added more stuff with each iteration. Oh, jeez! Like in Fest, you can actually you walk your dog now, and you can have like little interactions with your dog. Walk. There's a new person to date, and now in the the new one that's coming out, you can actually be a girl, date some of the men, go back and forth. You know. Now, F, you know, Fest has uh, a couple of of additional uh, adventures or something. You got the the answer, which. Uh, I believe uh, you mentioned to me earlier that's that's an epilogue or something. Yeah, it's a big epilogue. I think sort of answers some of the lingering questions with what happened to the main character at the end of the game. Um, from what I understand, because I actually never played the answer, I bought Fess. I, I was intending to do it, and then just sort of something came up. But I, from what I remember, it's sort of um, Tom. Maybe you can correct me. It's it's like a thirty-hour-long RPG that mainly focuses on just the battles. I mean, this is. There's no real interactions outside of it. There's no going to class. There's no going to school. From what I understand, it's just a lot of battles, one a lot of super hard dungeons. And I think a lot of people didn't like it because of that. You know, it's funny. I, I mean, the battle system, like you said, is incredibly enjoyable. But without that palette without, cleanser, Yeah. Without that, it's just another Shin Megami Tensei game. Well, maybe a little less because it's just sort of just, just it's grind, 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 grind. Well, I mean, that's pretty – I mean, the other Shin Well, I don't know. Game, I mean, Nocturne didn't feel like that to, at all. I felt like I was rebuilding a world. Well, that's because of the story, but it wasn't because of the interaction. I mean, the answer's got story in it, doesn't it? Uh, you expect more from a Persona game? You see something mm. different from a Persona game than you do when you're walking into a Nocturne or a digital Devil Saga? Or, mm. you know what I mean? Devil Survivor? Well, yeah, I could see that. So, so, base, so now, so we've got the core, you know, you got the core Persona 3. 
Um, that I mean, so you can probably find that somewhere for five bucks, or you can get the you know the FES, which I'm I haven't looked it up. I'm sure you can get it for fifteen to twenty bucks on the first on the on the PS2. Um, and then of course we have now we have the third one, which you which you talked a little bit about. Uh, do you, do we know if that third one has the uh, the the third one that's coming out on the PSP? Does it have the answer as well? I don't. Th- I know, I'm pretty sure it doesn't have the answer. I, I don't think it does either. So, man, since you seem to to know the the most about the series, let me ask you a question. Um, mm. Knowing what you know and what you've read so far uh, about the PSP version coming out or whatnot, if you had only the uh, money or the time just to play w- one of these versions, what would it be? Um, if you're a, if you're a woman and you'd like to play as a girl in the game, this is your only way to do it. If you want a cool hat, this is the only way to do it. <laughs> and if you want to play it on the go, this is the only way to do it. So I'm thinking maybe get the new one. Ah, so there you go. There's our fancy official answer. And gentlemen, well, thank you, uh, thank you very much. Let's uh, let's uh, we'll come back in a few minutes and talk about the main event. Welcome back. So in case you didn't figure out from all the hints uh, we dropped earlier, including our report uh, from Mr. Mike, who is live in Dracula's castle for the moment. At least he's alive soon. He may be undead. (laughs) And I I see it. I see Legion in front of me. The corpses are dropping all over. I I can't escape. Oh, wait. They move really slowly. I can actually get away. That was pretty easy. Thanks. But, But that was really tense for a moment. Well, we won't get away too quickly from our uh, from our main event today. We are talking about a trio of Castlevania games. This is the second of a three-part series that we're doing on the entire line of Cast, or as we'd like to refer to them as Metro uh, Metroidvania games. Um, these are basically the Castlevania games uh, that have RPG elements. Uh, on the first one, we talked a bit about uh, Castlevania 2 on the NES, which was the first one that brought some RPG elements, and Symphony of the Night, which was a huge success, um, bringing a bringing uh, a deeper uh, RPG mechanics onto the scene. Um, after that, when the Game Boy Advance came out, there were as a trio of games uh, released, uh, and the first one is Circle of the Moon. So I believe this was released uh, June 8th, and uh, I believe somebody told me before that it was one of the uh, launch titles or came out shortly after the launch of the Game Boy Advance. Is that true? Sure is. I've got the oh, I've got the EGM where they review every launch game for the GBA. Let me let me flip through that section real fast and see what we've got. Yep, it's funny that you said that because that's what influenced me to buy the game too. That particular review. So I like to bring me back to some nostalgia, man. He may, his computer may be sick and not working, but dang now he's got EGM right there. Old magazines for no the idea win. How much EGM I've got? <laughs> <laughs> I've got every issue. I've got pretty much every issue from. 70 on. We've got Choo Choo Rocket. We've got Earthworm Jim. We've got Super Mario Advance. Forgot about that. We've got Pitfall, the mine adventure. Remember the 16-bit crappy Pitfall? Oh, my gosh. We've got Bomberman Tournament. We've got Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2. We've got 
Konami Crazy Racers, Namco Museum. But what got Game of the Month? That would be Castlevania Circle of the Moon. Nice. Yep. It was hands down the best launch game for that for the Game Boy Advance. Well, I guess we'll talk about the magic first, right, Manny? Yep, the DSS card system, that was pretty fun. Yeah, you unless you're playing magician mode, which I'll go into later, uh you need to find the cards first, enemies drop them from time to time, and it this is one part where it kinda helps to have a fact because otherwise you won't know which enemies will drop cards and you'll just try to kill everything in the hopes that something gives you a card. But once you get... Um, okay, there are ten cards in two rows, and you link one card from the top row, which is uh, basically your planets, your Jupiter, your Mars, whatnot, to a card on the bottom, and I don't remember what those are called offhand, but they're effect cards. And if you get everything, then you have a hundred possible effects from a rose sword to an ice whip to summoning attacks, to... Uh, there were some pretty weird ones, as I recall. There was one that turned you into a skeleton, and you throw gigantic bones at your enemies, but you have terrible defense, so you die real fast. Mm. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, I remember some of them, like one row was the, were Greek gods, and the other row were animals, right? Um, so what did you think about, what did you think about the overall... You know, combat, you know, how did the character feel compared to, you know, other games? You know, this was my first Castlevania, believe it or not, and boy, I got addicted to it. Uh, something fundamental must work. When I just loved running around and killing things over and over and over, sometimes getting something out of it, sometimes just getting a little bit of experience, but. Cracking that whip was really fun in that game. Whip it good. Um, <laughs> the um, so I mean, so it feels even though it's got RPG elements, does it feel like I'm playing like Castlevania one on the, the you know classic Castlevania or something? Well, you definitely need platforming skills in order to handle this game. But if you, there are some RPG elements to help you out if a boss is just too much for you at the moment. You can go gain a couple of levels and your strength will increase a little bit and your defense will increase a little bit. Or you can find another card combo which will quite probably break the boss for you. Uh, or you can find some good equipment that will really help you out. Yeah, the items in particular make this RPG like, except there's no store in this game so you have to go depend on enemies to drop the things you need. But yeah, I remember... I was just saying, I remember for the last battle, I had to use a lot of those elements. I had to farm uh, particular enemies just to get potions. I had to level up quite a bit so I could beat Dracula, because that game was dark, and it was hard, especially when you're playing on the original Game Boy Advance. You fight Dracula? Are you sure? That might be a spoiler, Manny. Spoiler alert. Well, you tell me. You're in his castle. Yeah, but who knew that I was going to fight him? Dracula's a tough son of a gun, man. Why's he got so many uh, uh, hidden walls? He's got valuables. He knows how to no, hide. No hidden, them. hidden wall. Oh, right. Yeah, but they're all like MP upgrades. I mean, why is he saving? Like, why is he bricking up, uh, bricking <laughs> all those up? He's because he knows that after he dies, he's gonna have to drink up some HP up and some MP up. Once he you know, it's kind of. Yeah. Do you think is he? Can he pick those up? Because otherwise, it's just 
leaving him around for everybody to get powerful enough to kill him. It doesn't seem very smart for, you know, someone as old as him. Maybe he's masochistic? Well, hmm. you got to wonder just how much of his castle Dracula actually explores, because you never see him leave the final area, do you? He always just hangs around in one room of his gigantic castle and, I guess, just lets the rest fester, which would explain all the zombies and whatnot that are running around me right now, untamed and unsupervised by their supposed master. Maybe... Yeah, may- he really needs a maid. Maybe he's he, not... He does have demon maids. Maybe, maybe he keeps having, uh, maybe he's having, uh, you know, a domestic quarrel with death. I always see death hanging out, you know, in his castle somewhere. What's up with that? Domestic, well, death is his best buddy, man. It's like, he, it's like a house guest. He, he has them to, you know, death has to stay on the couch and he ends up staying for like 300 years. Yeah, death just likes the never ending supply of corpses that seem to end up in Dracula's castle all the time. <laughs> Oh, and Manny, you mentioned the lighting, which we do have to address with Circle of the Moon, because anybody who played the original Game Boy Advance before they came out with things like backlights probably remembers that it could be hard to see at times. This game was a definite demonstration of that at its worst. I remember uh, the, the gigantic thing, the clock tower, whatever that boss is, and Camilla, whenever when you fight her eventually... They both use really dark colored things that unless you're standing under the sun or something like that, you will be hard-pressed to see coming and thus dodge so that they do not kill you. There are other areas like that where, really, having a good light will help you not die. Yeah, and not dying is a good thing. Um... Yeah. Right, because uh, if you die, then death gets a hold of you, and death doesn't seem too well-disposed. And I mean, I remember having those those Game Boy Advances, and yeah, yeah, you had to have, you had to have good lighting. It couldn't be too bright, it definitely couldn't be too dark. I had one of those, those things which really proved you were a nerd that hung off the top of it and put a little light over it. Like a reading you, you lamp type of made it look like an anglerfish. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I never had one of those, so everybody who had one talked about it for a second and what a difference it made. Yeah. I've wanted it, like, triples the weight of my Game Boy, if not probably ten times. It, I f- you feel like you're, um, like Vegeta or Goku in Dragon Ball Z, like, uh, you know, pumping up, I don't know, training for to fight, um, Frieza. I don't know, that was a really nerdy reference there, wasn't it? <laughs> yes, it was. We don't need any more nerd. It feels like better. you're about to turn Super Saiyan. Yeah, you Is feel like after pl- yeah, after playing it, you feel like you that's how you turn Super Saiyan by by playing a Game Boy Advance with one of those lights. Um, you know, to answer Never your que- to answer your question, it really didn't help a whole ton. Um, it, it it would be helpful in some of the darker areas or something if uh, you know if you were in the car and you were you know it was nighttime driving, it, it could help. Uh, you know, obviously it was better than not at all. Um, but definitely not a comparison to having the backlit Game Boys that came later on. Now, all I'm thinking about is there were uh, four additional modes that you got in Circle of the Moon, and I played through all of them because I was really addicted to this game. The first one you get is Magician, where your stats are really weak physically, but you start with all the cards and have a lot and have a much longer magic point bar than usual, so your obvious goal is to be a magician and win that way. Then you become a gladiator if you beat it as a magician, 
where you have no magic at all, but your physical stats are really beefed up. So it's pretty much like a classic Castlevania style with minimized RPG elements. And if you beat that, then you can become a shooter where your stats are weaker than the normal, but the damage you do with the sub-weapons is powered up enormously. So you can just go with the cross and destroy everything that way. Plus your heart count is higher than usual. And the final one is the thief, where all your stats are, again, weaker than usual, but your luck is much, much higher, and that increases the thing the item drop rate by enemies, and that is going to be your savior in thief mode because that's weaker than usual. Did did any of y'all... Did you say you actually played through all those modes? I did. I beat it five times with each different mode. Wow. Yeah, it wasn't that hardcore. You crazy man. <laughs> uh, the cheese stands alone. Um... Mr. Cheese. Well, hey, Dracula was a pretty tough boss in this one, wasn't he? Yes, he was. What uh? He liked to zoom over you and uh, pretty much try to flatten you. I don't remember. Did he shoot? Did he shoot bats? I don't remember. Uh, I I remember him just dashing across the screen. So you had to keep on using his up dash move over and over again to stay floating in the air until he was done. Yeah, and what didn't he spawn in a whole bunch of eyeballs? surrounded by bats and you needed to find the right one real fast before he flashed back onto the screen to try and flatten you. Yeah, probably. I don't know. Next game. <laughs> Tom, I thought you had a photographic memory. I'm very disappointed. Did did you uh did did any of you play through the battle arena it's out, part? It's out of film. Did I'm sure Mike I probably through the battle arena. Probably, probably beat the battle arena all five times. Um, I didn't try with a magician. That would have just been stupid. Because the battle arena get... drains all your magic, so you have to go classic Castlevania style or else uh, screw it. Nice. But we did forget one important thing, though. We didn't talk about the story, the gripping story of this game. Uh, uh, warning. Spoiler alert. Right. Warning. <laughs> all right, all right. Castlevania right. story. Um, <laughs> There's a More woman named Camilla, and she's brought Dracula back. And oh. you are a guy named Jason Graves. And yeah, that's the most shocking thing about the story here. Is he like a descendant of the Belmont's long-lost well, sister like or something? I was about to say, the most shocking thing about this game is there are no Belmonts. What? Yep. Say it's not what? No Belmonts, man. What's up with that? Oh, I don't know. The Castlevania game without Belmonts? It's blasphemy. Wait, this whole game is blasphemy. Never mind. <laughs> hmm. Well, yeah, having I... Dracula castle spring up every fifty years or so doesn't seem like a good uh, argument for the forces of good keeping everything in check, does it? Yeah. So basically, you play Nathan Graves. He's uh hanging out with his buddies, the Baldwins, who teach him everything they know about vampire hunting. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, his teacher is the competent Baldwin. He's the good Baldwin. His, Alec? his fellow student is not a good Baldwin. He's like Daniel or Stephen Baldwin, I think. I know. I mean, when you're going to go fight vampires, you need like 30 rock quality. You do. You do not need the guy who starred with Polly Shore in a movie. So... Uh, do y'all have anything uh, significant to add before we go on to the next game in the series? 
Uh, did you talk about the soundtrack at all? I don't think we have. No, yeah. I remember you told me you loved the soundtrack in this game, right, Mike? I did. All I, I could say that there should have been a few more tracks, but that's the only real thing I can say because every track that was in there I enjoyed immensely, and most of them were remixes of tunes from older Castlevanias that stood the test of time most excellently. Plus, for the, it's the weirdest thing, but the audio quality on this was really, really good, especially for Game Boy Advance, and then, well, its follow-up wasn't. I don't know how that worked. Well, to be fair, though, the, the reason why the sound of the follow-up was so bad is because every everything Harmony of Dissonance the next GBA game was a complete reaction to all the criticism complaints of the first game I don't recall anybody complaining hey that music sounds too good let's make it crap no but people are saying hey it's too dark hey I can't see nothing hey it's too hard and hey where's my Belmonts hey <laughs> where's my Belmonts Harmony of Dissonance <laughs> Yeah, that's true. You want your Belmont, you got a juiced Belmont in this one. And he's got a whip, and he knows how to use it. you got his friend uh, Maxim, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So you play basically, I think, one of the French Belmonts, right? Juice Belmont, and he's like this, I don't know, sort of like a stand-in for Alucard. Long, flowing white hair, long pe- red petticoat. And he has to go save his beloved from Dracula. Hey, it works. Go ahead, Tom. What was that? Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, and he put on his high tops to do it because he looks like he's wearing high tops when he runs. Yeah, <laughs> so the that high top just thing. Conversation. <laughs> <laughs> that was a conversation killer. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Nobody wants to remember high tops, Tom. Been too long. Pump up, yeah, I just want to get that in there. Pump, pump it up. <laughs> He pumps him up to kill Dracula. You gotta have pumped up shoes. <laughs> so you can backdash, right? Alright, so are we actually talk about this game or are we gonna dance around it? Uh, yeah, we're talking about Juice Belmont's awesome fashion sense, aren't we? Because he was designed by Ayame Kojima, so there's part of it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, um, before I let. I already know what Mike's gonna say about this game. So before we just get down on it completely, let me say what I liked about it really fast. And <laughs> why it was, I'm just saying, and why it was a reaction to the first game. So a lot of the complaints were the first game were that it was too dark. And um, as a result, the graphics in this game are very bright. Everything's very colorful, bright. The graphics are very vibrant. There's a lot more complicated stuff going on with like Mode 7 and Parallax, all that kind of stuff going on. So like, there's a lot more elaborate animations going on. And... Um, is this right? Juice has a, like a glow, a blue glowing aura around him. Yeah, and he's got. Yeah, I remember like that. A, uh, like a yeah, ghost yeah. And, trail. And on the two left triggers, the left uh, left trigger and the right trigger, you can push those buttons to dash him across the screen. And every time he dashes, he has this sort of a blurring, ghosting image effect that that follows him everywhere across the screen. And of course, since that's like the most effective way to get across the castle, you're just going to constantly see like five little juice across your screen as you're tra- dashing across to your next destination. <laughs> but really, what makes this game so interesting, I think, is um. But yeah, it's really bright and vibrant. They brought back Ayame Kojima to do the artwork. She was the, the main artist on uh, Symphony of the Night. They uh, added a lot of the, the staples that make Castlevania Castlevania by adding in merchants. They had uh, actual Belmonts in this game. What else? Um, oh, and you, like maybe the fact that you can actually, when you beat the game, you can actually play an alternate character and not just have like different modes, like a thief mode or a 
Yeah, so when you beat the game, you can play Maxim. And am I missing anything? Uh, oh, the the reverse castle. How's that? Oh, and a reverse castle, right. So it really does hit all the notes of what you expect from a modern-day Castlevania, something within the sort of the canon in the timeline. Tom, your thoughts? I thought it was hard. <laughs> um, I found myself dying a lot more than... Because I've been playing a bunch of Castlevanias lately. And I found myself dying a lot more than I have in the other ones. So I think it has fewer save spots, or they are low-key. They're harder. They were harder for me to find. Uh, you know, it's funny. I actually thought this game was easier than the first game. A lot easier. Well, you know, everybody's uh, unique. You know, everybody's got that little spark in them. That <laughs> no, I, mean, I mean, I thought that was like kind of the intention. Some of the intention was to make it a little bit easier than the first game because I don't know. That I game found it. Do you think it was just tough. the unique mechanics about like and the magic system? Yeah, maybe. I don't, I don't know. I, I sort of like, I found the magic system made it easy because some of the attacks were very powerful. I mean, of course, like, if we want know, to know more about the magic system, Mike can tell us all about it. Wait, no, go ahead. Are you? No, Mike. Yeah. Go ahead, Mike. You tell us. Yeah, it's, it's another, it's very similar to the DSS system, except you get, uh, Six by six this time, where you get six different items that'll interact with your standard um, sub weapons, and what you get with those interactions is something that you'll kill the enemy in every case. Yeah, That's I remember like there's the like if you combine what's like orbs, you combine like a blue orb with uh, holy water, and you get like holy rain, that kind of thing. They look cool, but they all have pretty much the same effect. Kill everything on screen. Yep. And yes, Tom, I'm. Well, if you had a hard time with this, that's interesting to me because I certainly didn't. I remember having long sessions where I would just explore the castle and find not too much that was of great interest to me. I would not get killed very often, certainly not to the level of Circle of the Moon. I remember, particularly once the reverse castle came up, it seeming somehow more, somehow less uh, interesting than the original castle because it didn't seem very different in any way. And particularly after I played Symphony of the Night, I recognized, yes, this was pretty much a redo of that game on the GBA, only Symphony did it better. Um, yeah, I found it pretty easy. I didn't find it particularly memorable. It's still a uh, fundamentally sound action game. I don't think you'll find a Castlevania that isn't. But the other GBA games are better than that. And... This one, in particular, I remember EGM giving it Game of the Month with two tens and a 9.5. No, one ten and two 9.5s, which is way too much. Mike, let me ask. Did you play this when it first came out? Yes. So when it launched, you played it. Did you still have the same feelings and thoughts? Yeah, I, I played it through the first time. Uh, I eventually consulted GameFAQs to find out the way to get the real ending because I knew that Killing Maxim off just wasn't it. No, I was just saying. I know. I, I know. I like the game a lot more than you did. I mean, I, it's funny. I can see you can see the evolution and sort of the ex, the evolution of the heart of um, Igo, Koji was it Igarashi's uh, evolution of, and handle of the software. I mean, of the system, the hardware. Because you know, the, the first game it was pretty, it was nice. The next game, this one is brighter, more colorful. Then they really put in all the stuff that makes Castlevania Castlevania. And then when they went on to Ari of Sorrow. That's when they really hit it out of the park. So I, I, 
I find it charming and I like the I like the art style. I remember cutting out the ads when I see when I saw them in EGM because the artwork was so great. I mean, I, I it feels like a nice evolutionary step onto what would become Ari of Sorrow. And I feel like if they didn't learn what they learned making this game, Ari of Sorrow wouldn't have been as good as it was. Yeah, I'm not knocking the graphics at all. They were incredibly impressive for the GBA at the time, and they still hold up too badly. Well, the, uh, the and yes, felt nice. I was playing exactly. on original Game Boy Advance, uh, being able to see everything reliably was very nice. Yeah, I mean, of course, the music suffered as a result. I mean, they put all the system resources into the visuals and into all those new graphical effects they did. But, you know, because they learned all their hard lessons making this game, Ari of Sorrow was that much, that much better. And, you know, it was fun playing as Juiced. I, I thought his character model looked pretty cool. I liked the, the strange blue glow. I liked that you can collect pieces of furniture and, and have them all in a nice little room that you can go visit every now and then. I liked that they actually added a merchant. I felt like all the little things that were missing from the first game got the attention it deserved in this one. I mean, you can even unlock Simon Belmont to play, the original Simon Belmont in uh, the boss rush mode. So. Yeah, I never tested that. Maybe I should. And I like the high tops. Yeah, and it actually is within the fits within the timeline. This is like this was the first proper Castlevania game. Not to say that last game was improper. I mean, within the canon, this actually has a place within the canon. Has real Belmonts. It has a lot of this the telltale signs of what a Castlevania game should be. It has a Yamakojima artwork. I liked how bright and colorful it was. I mean, at the time, I thought it was a good game. I thought I found it charming. Was it the best? Was it my favorite? No, but. I enjoyed it when Wait, I played. As being the first, didn't they go back and do a um, um, Lament of Innocence? Wasn't that supposed to be the first? Even though it's not no, I mean, the first, the first one on the Game Boy Advance, like the first proper one within the timeline, and it has all the sort of telltale, all the boot. Though we didn't make that joke this time. That uh, has all the. <laughs> I was gonna say all the boofus. The one that. And hey, Dragon. When you bring him back with via carrying his remains around, Dracula seems pretty wussy this time around. Oh, that's right. You have to collect pieces of Dracula's body, right? Yeah, I remember Juice saying the, the remains as they leave his body, spiral around, and form uh, whatever shape Dracula took this time around. And yes, that is another spoiler. You fight Dracula. I'm sorry if I ruined it for everybody. <laughs> Spoilers! Do you have any questions, uh, anybody? My only advice to you, man, is watch out for the demon maids. And the yeah, skeleton yeah. waiters. Yep, they may look cute and funny, but... No. Did you? Did anyone replay the game as Maxim? I'm curious. No. I did not. Because I, I, for I understand, he played really differently. He's uh, He had, like, these triple jumps, and you can access parts of the castle you can access otherwise. I mean, you can access much earlier than you're supposed to. And, you're, like, you've played like a ninja, basically. I never replay a Castlevania game with that second playable character. I do it for like 30 minutes, and then I'm like, okay, next game. Really? Even Ari of Sorrow? Where you get to play as a... Well, we're not going to spoil that just yet. Yep, never. I never do. I, I try it for like 30 minutes, and then I'm like, eh, I don't feel like doing this again, even though this character is cooler. Unless they're not cooler. Then I don't say that last part. <coughs> Yeah, maybe, so, maybe if I came back to it now, I would have different feelings. At the time, it I liked Circle of Moon a lot more. I don't know what to say. I don't know. I guess this is my Star Trek Enterprise. I know no one likes that series, but I did. I thought it was charming. 
Hey, I liked Enterprise. Anyways, um, so, <laughs> so if, if if Harmony of Dissonance didn't make you as happy as Circle of the Moon, then maybe Aria of Sorrow made you feel better, even though it was sorrowful. You know, I was so filled with sorrow that it somehow transmuted into joy. Because yes, this one did deserve the Game of the Month that EGM again gave it, and I had a Game blast of the Month. With it. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Game of the month. I thought this was the game of the system. I thought this was the best GBA game of all time voted by how many people? Well, at least see, seven. I can't dictate EGM policy seven years ago. you got to understand that, Manny. I do not have the power to tell them what they should have done. Well, to be fair, though, how do they know that this is going to be, like, one of the best Castlevania games ever made and one of the best GBA games around? Right. The GBA was only halfway through its life cycle at the time. You can't you can't just read it and just declare this is the best game ever because then something will come along. And really? Are you sure? Have you not been a video game journalist for very long? That's exactly what you're supposed to do. <laughs> Didn't we already go through this? I'm not the standard type of video game journalist. I have to play <sighs> things before I can talk about them. Now, if you guys want to go ahead and do that, that's your business. Be what be what you want to be. Be the right, nobody, nobody wants nobody wants to embrace the one up way. I don't know. Yeah. And, one thing I would, one slight regret I have with Aria of Sorrow is that even though the music is has some good compositions, the sound quality still isn't quite as high up as Circle of the Moon. That's a that's a very minor thing, but I did notice it. All right, all right, all right. Get that out of the way. It's time to fawn over this game for like about twenty minutes. Yeah. You know what? I'm down with that. All right. Who wants to start? Go for it. You know, it's funny. This game came out, we're recording this on May 6th, and this game released in the United States on May 6th, 2003. Wow. Isn't it? All right, well, let's get started. And it's funny, it came out on May 8th, 2003 in Japan. So we got this two days early. How nice. This was a day one purchase for me, as I recall. Oh, this game was fantastic. I mean, this just really, Koji Garashi knocked this one out of the park. Everything he learned making Circle of the Moon, everything he learned, ma- learned making Harmony of Dissonance, he applied to this game. And... He even put in some stuff that sort of surpasses uh, Symphony of the Night in a lot of ways. I mean, they just really pulled from all the best Castlevanias and made this really finely crafted experience on this handheld. The soul system was and remains awesome. Yep. And, you know, I have to say, this is like the only Castlevania game where I actually care about the story. Yeah, that's true, because for once, uh, it has a story that's a little different. You're not going to kill Dracula. Dracula's dead. He got killed by Julius Belmont in 1999. Yep, you're just some some kid in Japan going to visit his friend who happens to work at some mysterious shrine. Dedicated to what? Solar eclipse? I guess. I didn't know you could dedicate a shrine to that alone, but I don't live in Japan, so I don't know. Well, apparently Alucard does because he shows up as someone named Arikado. Shortly after, so basically the game starts off, you're walking over to your, um, your friend Mina's shrine... You're gonna go visit her, and there's a big, there's a big solar eclipse or lunar eclipse, and Dracula's castle emerges from the eclipse and sort of sucks everyone in the shrine into it. So apparently, like the shrine's been sealing away ca- Dracula's castle within the eclipse for all these years, right? Works for me. Yeah, and so you and like a handful of other people are trapped within the eclipse and inside Dracula's castle. So you're Soma Cruz, just some normal high school kid with a really cool white petticoat and some cowboy boots. Your friend Mina's there. You got what's you got a uh, Alucard who works for a Japanese agency, sporting a stylish. You got hammer, you. hammer your merchant. Yep. Uh, you got Jay, who happens to be Ju- spoilers. Sorry, who happens to be Julius Belmont, 
but he lost his memory when he killed Dracula in 99. And you even got, like, a, a cool witch named Yoko. And you've got a guy named Graham who just happened to be born at around the time Dracula died, so he thinks that he's Dracula's reincarnation, and he takes it pretty poorly when he thinks that you might be trying to usurp his crown. Yep. Doesn't he know that... Well, I guess he was probably disappointed to learn that he actually was in Dracula's incarnation. You are! That's the big shocking twist in this game. You are the reincarnation of Dracula. Yep. And you know what? I'm fine with that. It's pretty cool. You know what that gets you? That gets you something that most other people don't get to have. Complete control over all the demons within... Well, at least the demon souls within Dracula's castle. So apparently every time you kill a, uh, a demon or a monster within Dracula's castle, there's a chance for you to take in its soul. Souls are a pretty varied lot, and they can do a lot of very useful things and a lot of not incredibly useful, but still fun to look at things. Yep. There was like full-on summons. There were uh, there were summons. There were special uh, projectile attacks. You could throw bones. You can... What status changes? It was like basically uh, like three different soul slots... One projectile, one summon or special ability, and one that modified your stats, right? Yeah, some of them you can turn on and off. Others are always active. And others work like uh, magic spells in earlier ones or kind of like sub-weapons where you pull them up when you need them and don't do the proper button combination unless you want to activate. Yeah, I really also like the... Um, just, just before we go on any further, I really like the main character. Uh, so McCruz, I just thought he had a pretty cool style to him. You know, that white petticoat, the cowboy boots, the, the jeans. He was very kind of laid back and slack. And it's sort of, uh, sort of like a, I know why he had like the big white long coat. He's supposed to be like a, in stark contrast to what you expect from Dracula, who's like a dark and imposing, has a long black coat, maybe drenched in blood on the inside or something. So this guy's supposed to be like this sort of white pure innocent soul who still hasn't, who hasn't accepted his fate as Dracula just quite yet. Yeah, but he still has a sense of style, which every incarnation of Dracula has had. Well, maybe not the ones in those stupid 80s Nintendo Power ads, but let's skip over those. Yeah. You know, the good thing is, because he's not a Belmont, he's not ob- he's not obligated to use a whip. So, not only do you have, like, a huge variety of souls that you can equip, you have, what, a ton of weapons you can have, like, stuff from pocket knives. I mean, you start off the game with a pocket knife, and then you can get on eventually get holy swords, axes, maces, whips, uh... Even I think laser laser rifles eventually. Yeah, I, I think I used a lance a lot of the time. The lance had good reach. I like the laser rifle myself. I did eventually find it, um, but that was pretty late in the game, and I was just loving the lance, and I would have had to adjust to a different play style to use a rifle. Hey man, it's twenty thirty five. If you're not going to use a laser rifle, what's the point of being in the future? Well, obviously, it's to enjoy the the flying cars and. The hoverboards and the weather service. Yeah, those cyber Back in the future part two has taught us anything. It is that we are going to have those things, right? Or are you telling me that Back to the Future Part Two was not accurate in its prediction of the future? <laughs> well, I don't know about that, but I do know that uh, in this game, I, a lot of those uh, those Castlevania staples I talked about in the first game were really were a lot better implemented in this game. Because I remember, like in. In Harmony of Dissonance, to get to your merchant, he was like in some random room off to the side of some portal in the middle of the castle, right? And you had to remember yeah, exactly which portal was. Much. And you had to remember where the merchant was. Like here, sort of like you had this nice little hub, the, the entrance to the castle, and that's where your merchant would hang out, that's where your friend Mina would hang out, and there was like a nice little portal right above it, and you can just return to it any time, go back down, 
go to your merchant, go sell some stuff, go talk to Mina, see what's up, and then go back into the castle. It, it seemed like a lot better organized. There were, what, more save slots everywhere, more portals to warp around. The castle was better organized. Yeah, one thing I do remember is actually shopping a lot with Hammer because he was conveniently located. Yeah. Um... Oh yeah, Soma had a lot to say. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was it's it was a little touch, but I really enjoyed it. So like every time you'd go up to Mina or some or a character, they would always have like a nice little sound clip for you to say. Like uh, Mina would say like "yosketene" or something like that, and then Soma would say something like every time you use like, certain attacks, he'd say something in Japanese and yell it out. Or when he would transform, he'd say something in Japanese. Yeah, I think he said "kurai" a lot and "ike" um, things like that. Yeah, uh, <laughs> he said it well. Yeah, he didn't sound like. I mean, despite what he looked like, he didn't. He wasn't, you know, uh, foppish or girlish in any single way. He actually had like this sort of cool-sounding, dark, deep voice. Yeah, and we should be thankful that Konami did not try to dub it over because uh, if we look at Symphony of the Night, we can see what happened at that point in time when they tried dubbing Castlevania. Have at you. Um, you know, it's funny. Even like little. Th- I mean, there was a lot of little touches. The menus were better organized. Even the the bestiary. I mean, it seemed like. It seems like a no-brainer, right? You put a list of monsters, but the I think or Circle of Moon didn't have a bestiary. And then Harmony of Dissonance, the bestiary is basically just a picture of a monster and the name. But this game, it told you everything. It showed you uh, the, the character's attack, um, the monster's attack animation. It told you its alignment. It told you what it was weak against. It gave you a brief little flavor text description so you know, to give the monsters more personality. And of course, it told you if you had their soul or not. Yeah, I remember looking at it very frequently catch up on which souls I had. Yeah, and they even give you tips on how to, like, sort of catch, how to use those abilities to to, to use those souls' abilities to the best, or uh, just, honestly, just gave the game a lot more personality. Tom, you haven't said anything in a while. What you got to say? I think RSR is a very good game, and I think you both are very correct in everything you're saying. High five. And I took in particular, in particular, I like Soma Cruz's power walking animation. I think oh, it's yeah. uh, back up to par with uh, the type of animation I expect um, from Castlevania, the, the power walking anyway. And also, I am a big fan of his swimming animation, where he <laughs> sort of like squeeze, he, he uh, bends his arms at the elbow, and then he'll like squeeze them inward. And but I don't I don't really get how they must have special clothes or something because I don't get how his like jeans don't become uncomfortable after he goes swimming. Oh, it's twenty thirty five. He has special nano fibers in the jeans or nano part. Nano. It's... Oh, sort of like Back to the Future. Yeah, yeah, Back yeah. They the auto dry. Jacket. You push a little thing, goes. Your jacket is now Ooh. dry. I never knew that. Yeah, it's the future. Oh, good. I mean, you know, it's twenty thirty five. Laser rifles. Yeah, I mean, other than that, That's I'd say it's. Yeah, Arya Sara is definitely the the Game Boy Castlevania to play if you have to play one. Oh, oh Mike. Yeah, and its final areas are pretty cool. Um, first, in, uh, beating Graham is the final boss unless you encrypt um, the right souls. And there were pro- there's probably a hint in the game to tell you which oh, souls yeah. you needed to have. There when were you there Graham. were three books. There were three books scattered throughout the castle, and they would tell you to equip these three these three particular souls. I didn't remember at the time, and I remember just uh, quickly looking at game facts and saying, "Oh, that's what I need." Yeah, I was a I was a lazy bug, bugger, but whatever, I did that, and I killed Graham, and then whoa, chaos opens up. Time to go in there and fight the chaos that is at the root of Soma's soul. 
That was yeah, an interesting twist. Yeah, it's funny because I know in a lot of other games, maybe you you have to you kill the monster, maybe you get like a second form of him in the special mode. I know here you get a whole brand new area, and you end up killing like a have to kill a, a nebulous concept and fight a Belmont before you can even get to him. Yeah, fighting Julius is pretty hard because let's face it, he deserves to be a Belmont. He's not weak at all. I mean, he killed the original Dracula, so there he has what he has vampire killer. He has all the all the staples that you expect from a, a Belmont. He has what the he pretty much uses everything in the in the kitchen sink against you. Yeah, and at that point, Selma is weak to pretty much all of his attacks because uh, they're wholly based. Mm-hmm. So it's a rough fight. So after so eventually, you get to kill Chaos the Nebulous Concept, and you what you escape your destiny for a little while at least. <laughs> Until Dawn of Sorrow resurrects, but we get to talk about that far in the future. We don't need to bring it up now. Mm. But you know what's interesting though is when you beat the game. Um, I remember there being two modes in particular that I really liked. Is that you could beat the game and you'd get if you did everything right, you get a chaos ring. And when you equip this chaos ring in the next playthrough, you had unlimited magic, which means all those really difficult spell. I mean, all those spells that would eat too much MP, you would just use. You would spam them nonstop th- during the course of the of the adventure, right? I would like use summons all the time. And the other one, which was special, was a. Uh, you get to play as Julius Belmont as you, when you beat the game, so you actually get that traditional Castlevania experience if you want it. That one I did do quite a bit. And yeah, playing as Julius is a completely different experience than playing as Soma. Which is probably why they included it, because frankly, why else would you want to play through the game again if it's not completely different? And boy, is it. Yep, yep. Oh, and uh, you said... Tom, did you experience and- Julius? No. Remember, uh, I don't play as the second character. So, but he was actually good this time. Yeah, it doesn't matter. I remember. Not, I, I just... thought you might have. I thought yeah, there might be an exception to prove your rule. There is no exception. It, it happens every time, and I played every Castlevania. Okay. Mm. <laughs> Yours is a pretty firm rule indeed. You know, I did enjoy this game so much that I did replay it, even just normally several times. It was. It, it felt like it was. A proper length. It wasn't too long. It wasn't too short. Sort of like that nice middle ground where you can pick it up every now and then, play through it, say, like, yeah, that's why I enjoy this game, and put it back down. Talking about it like this is making me want to play it again. I had a lot of fun. Me too, man. And, 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 and I mean, you can, you can get it now on the uh, double pack cartridge, Game Boy oh, Advance. Oh, that's right. I, refer- which- I remember that. Yeah, which which will work just great if you got the uh, if you still got your uh, you know if you, old style DS, not not the DSI, but that was yeah. a great deal. Harmony of Dissonance and Aria of Sorrow on one cartridge. I was I was kind of actually angry when they came when that came out because like I, I wanted that so badly, but I couldn't justify it. I mean, I spent a lot of money hunting down a, a brand new copy of Harmony of Dissonance. So it sounds like it sounds like to me pretty much hands down that uh, from listening listening to you gentlemen talk that if if the if our RP gaming audience out there decides they want to play one uh, Castlevania game from the Game Boy Advance era they should probably stick with Aria of Sorrow. Yep, in a lot of ways it's it, it does some things better and more elegantly than its DS follow up does. There's no useless touchscreen stuff that sort of gets in the way. <laughs> You know, let's, it has the let's be- save that. We're going to have lots of Donosaur time in the future. I'm just saying, though, and it, ha- it actually has a good art style. Um, Mike, have you, or, or or any of you, have any of you played all of the Game Boy Advance and the DS ones? I have. I've played them. The only one I'm missing is um, Dawn of Sorrow, which turned me off because of the touchscreen stuff and the terrible, terrible generic anime art style. Yeah. <sighs> 
How about you, Tom? I've played every single. Okay. So, between, well, it sounds like y'all pretty well have the corners covered. In in your opinion, does this, does Aria of Sorrow hold up well when compared to the to the newer DS games like Order of Ecclesia? Order of Ecclesia tries really hard to be Aria of Sorrow, I think. Order of Ecclesia is kind of... What am I, it's not worst. bad. It's not the worst. Here, let, let's save it. We, we're going to be talking about this. Well, yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to talk about those DS things. ones. Yeah, I don't want to talk about the DS ones. But I'm asking, does Aria of Sol- Sorrow hold up its own against the, the against the DS ones that have already come out? Yeah, sure. The, the core game is so solid. It's solid enough that. Yeah, I mean, they recently released Definitely. Symphony of the Night on what Xbox Live Arcade and on tons of re-releases. This one would be just as good if they released it on a download service right now. Did uh, according to the notes here on Wiki, this one was um, all re- released as a cell phone game by Glue. Have Have y'all heard anything about that? No. Huh. So I don't know how you would try to play that on a cell phone. That would just be really painful, I think. Oh boy, you'd have to have a real good little keyboard or something. It's a mobile version by Glue. Uh, I'm not really sure. I'm clicking on a link to see Ooh. if I can pull up a little bit more. No. Who is Glue? It says it's a scaled-down version of the original, so yeah, it does sound like they kind of boiled it down in order to get it to fit on there. This must be different than the glue that is created from uh, sophisticated <laughs> animal products. Yeah, I think that's the name of the company. Well, it sounds like we pretty well have, have covered the bases here. Um, yep, yep, yep. It, it, so uh, thank thank you all very much. Let's uh, Let's go ahead and... Get on to our next uh, segment tonight, which will be Mike's Import Corner. I'm talking about Neugier, which came out on the Super Famicom in 93 and was made by Wolf Team, which is known for, among other things, the original Tales of Fantasia. Neugier picked up a little bit of renown back in the 16-bit era because Renovation was going to bring it over and under the name The Heavenly Kingdom. And yet, Sega bought the company, and all plans to release anything on Nintendo were promptly axed for reasons that anybody who remembers the 16-bit era probably doesn't need to have explained. Noid Gear itself is an action RPG, a pretty short, basic one with the high emphasis on action. Uh, you are a guy named Duke. That's your name, Duke. Duke has to go out and kick the crap out of a wizard who had the temerity to kidnap his princess girlfriend. And there's your story, pretty much. There's a little more to it than that, but let's face it, 93 was not the time for action RPGs to have deep, involving stories, and a guy kidnapping the princess was pretty par for the course. Uh, Duke has a little sword, which doesn't have much range, but that doesn't prove to be a big factor, because enemies only hurt you if they t- if they attack you. Just touching them doesn't hurt. So it's pretty forgiving that way. You get hearts occasionally, both in boxes and in 
from dead enemies that'll enlarge your life bar. You find a few potions throughout that will automatically refill you to full life if you get drained completely. Uh, your sword attacks level differently based on whether you're standing or jumping. And, and as the game goes on, a lot of enemies like to be flying, so you need to level that jumping up a lot. Now, those are most of the RPG elements, really. The rest of it is you're going around killing things. You navigate first a sinking ship, then you go into some caves after you get wrecked, then you go into the interior of a gigantic castle, then you go into what looks like ancient ruins, although they're not too impressive because this is 93 Super Nintendo graphics. Then you go into what looked like feudal Japanese temple area. The final area kind of reminded me of a different colored version of uh, the last areas in Final Fantasy IV, just lots of crystal theme. And because it's pretty short and is built around replay, Wolf Team had the thought to include a ranking at the end, which is in English, and it will judge you based on your completion time as an average gamer, uh, a slowpoke, uh, a dunce. I, I don't remember all of them, but there are a good 25 at least of them. So you can replay it frequently and see what you get this time. So it, 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 it's going to insult you in your native tongue if you do poorly. Oh, yes. <laughs> it, isn't that nice? Or if you do well, then it'll give you something like uh, awesome. I, I've completed it in maybe two hours the last time, so I wasn't awesome. I'm sorry. <laughs> Tom, if he played it, would probably be awesome because that's just Tom, right? I cannot not be awesome. Cannot not be awesome. I cannot... Yeah, that was right. Tom uh, and the game as a whole is a very easy import also because everything on the screen when you're actually navigating is in English and it's self-explanatory. You run around, you kill things. Oh, I forgot the grappling hook. That's the one other unique aspect to it. You can either pull enemies towards you or sometimes boxes that you can throw at enemies, or you can pull yourself if you happen to be jumping and use the grappling hook towards a location. So they don't do as much with it as they could have, but it's an interesting mechanic, the grappling hook, and it's pretty well implemented. So that doesn't make to separate it from all the other games at the time. And that's pretty much Neugier. Any questions? Sweet. I just think the fact that it insults you, that they went out the way to insult you in our native tongue just automatically makes that a win. Well, hey, if you if you complete this game, which is very short in, say, four hours, then, yeah, you're probably going to get a big whopping insult. Okie dokie. Sounds like a deal. Well, yeah, it uh, is pretty cheap. How much? I got mine for four bucks, I think, complete. It'd be shipped from Japan, but I was already getting something from that seller anyway, so it was pretty cheap that way, too. Well, that sounds pretty cool. There we go. I'm sure if you look, you'll find a U.S. seller with it to cut down the shipping cost. Okay. Well, um, that wraps up Mike's import corner. Let's let's, uh, take a few uh, second break, and we'll wrap this thing back up when we come back. And welcome back. Um, today we don't have a we don't really don't have any time left to to go through uh, some of the comments on the board. Though I will point out that the 
the big debate we had versus whether or not RPG Backtrack is awesome or mediocre was most stimulating. <laughs> Did you check that one out, Mike? Uh, yes. I seem to recall that it being originally raised by our boss, which is a mite troubling. But, as it turns out, he has, he has in fact, pronounced this not mediocre. So I'm going to err on the awesome side. We've got Tom, who, as we have already heard, is nothing but awesome. That's right. As long as Tom's on the cast, it's it's an instant win. Tom plus anything is an instant win. Most often. Um, and so, um, definitely, we we appreciate uh, any and all feedback mm-hmm. on on the RP Gamer Board. So please feel free to to sign up and write us some more comments after you finish listening to the cast. Let me just say, I agree completely. Tom, you're so awesome. You're our resident Ray Barnhold. I can't disagree. <laughs> Mike, do you have a do you have a do you have a contest question for us this week? Yeah, I think I do. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, and you will choose to accept it if you want the gift card that Phil just might be offering, is to come up with all four names that you need to enter in order to access the alternate gameplay mode in Circle the Moon. So, all four alt what you just said <laughs> and 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 i'll I'll make this one just a little bit more difficult on top of that um you also have to in your for a second question you have to tell me what which of the three games uh, soundtrack I used uh in the transitions if you listen to the podcast. Uh, I always put little music uh, transitions in between our various segments. Uh, even though we're talking about three completely different Castlevania games, because I'm lazy, I ripped all the songs off of just one particular soundtrack. So question number two is which soundtrack did I rip it off of? Was it Aria of Sorrow, Harmony of Dissidence, or Circle of the Moon? Or Mystery Dungeon. <laughs> yeah, or Chocobo's Mystery. <laughs> or Chocobo's Mystery Dungeon. There you go. So... Uh, yeah, it might have been that. You never know with Phil. You don't have to listen to all the songs. I mean, if you recognize one song, you pretty much know the answer because it's this. Yeah. Anywho, um, so pretty cool, pretty cool. If you can, if you can mail that to uh, to uh, jcservantrpgamer dot com or Mike, what was your email address? Albert Odyssey at Hotmail. Yeah. And uh, so get that over to us, and the first person who sends us uh, the two correct answers and does it. Quickly, will be the proud owner of a brand spanking new twenty dollar Amazon gift certificate. Ooh, am so, I eligible? No. N- no. Okay. No. But your mama might be. Yeah. There what? You go. <laughs> How dare you? Your mama is so eligible. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like really dirty now that you say it like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm actually, yeah. uh, I'm actually made of Amazon gift certificates. <laughs> Dude, how awesome I am! Just give me like a couple. That's all I need. Are you work on Amazon, Tom? Uh, Tom is Mister Ellis. It's in the millions. Um, we are accepting audio reviews of the games that we will be talking about on the next RPG Backtrack uh, in two weeks. We will be talking about the Golden Sun series. Uh, we'll also be touching on Age of Conan, Hyborian Adventures, and Mass Effect. Plus, what's our what's our import pick for 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 next podcast? There, Mike. Yeah, that'll be King Colossus. King Colossus, otherwise known as Togi Ooh. 
Well, I, I hope that I hope this the, this game world review will be uh that that you talk about next uh, next podcast will be as as fun as as Colossus Shadow of the Colossus. That was a great game. Just remember, definitely you can you can email your questions or concerns on the board or email them to jcsermonrpgamer.com. Um, also, if you've got um, uh, if you want to follow up and keep up with what's going on in RP Gamer, uh, the easiest way to do that is to join us at Twitter. Uh, twitter.com forward slash rpgamer and um, uh, who, who's our content person around here do we have anything going on Facebook yet we got lots of stuff on Facebook I'd be either Sam or uh, Keldaris I think Okay, what? I'm the one who made the page who? me <laughs> hold on I don't know who's talking is this number one of three that is talking can you probably identify you, yourself <laughs> We got a lot of great well, everybody stuff. Everybody knows more about it than I do. How's that? Yeah. Well, everyone can learn everything about it by going to facebook.com forward slash rpgamer. Click on the become a fan icon and, and you too can become one of our minions that are throng of uh, fans. So join up. Anything else you guys have before we, we do a big send off? <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, come to our game nights every now and then. We'd like to do those like every other week. Oh, right, right. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about that? Uh, nothing to say, man. Just we all get together. I let We vote on a game that we want to play as a group, and we have some fun. Now, where, where, does, this, where does this voting and conversation, where can we find out more details? Um, we'll probably post up the, the, the next voting the next voting thingy um, sometime this week, this weekend. Uh, I think we're going to be doing Monster Hunter Try... Uh, Street Fighter stuff, maybe even throwing some Halo beta, just because that's popular right now. You know, whatever the community wants to play, we play. There you go. Even if it's not an RPG, apparently. Hey, we're not made of stone. There you go. Um, Tom, you got anything to throw in there? Uh, no, just thanks for listening and uh, have a great day. <laughs> Yeah, I def I definitely want to thank I want to I want to thank all of uh I want to thank uh Manny and Tom for joining us today. Uh, I felt like we've done this before in a previous life and I appreciate y'all have being on the show and of course uh you know Mike my my co-host Mike for doing an outstanding job of uh of putting this all together and surviving his night in Dracula's castle. Um to our audience man. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> and to our audience, we thank you for listening to RPG Backtrack. As always, you are the reason we do this. RPG Backtrack is a production of RP Gamer, your source for RPG news, impressions, reviews, articles, and home to the best gaming community on the net. Write your questions and comments on our boards or email jcservant at rpgamer.com and help shape our future shows. As always, listen to our previous podcast as well as our awesome sister show, RPG Cast, all at rpgamer.com. Mike, will you please send us away from the dark, dank depths of Dracula's castle? I would. But even though we don't know when you'll be listening to this, we are recording it in the evening. And the evening is giving way to the night. And it is in the night that Dracula is strongest. So on that note... Fear! <laughs> 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 <laughs>